on this episode of AV Week, attending AV conferences remotely, what Avix's Tide brings to integrators, and creating more as-a-service models in the world of AV. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 394, recorded Friday, March 15th, 2019. Remote attendance. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box, and by Audio, a leading manufacturer of professional PTZ cameras, Pro AV Solutions, and UCC integration systems, and by Bayan. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, her name is Victoria Ferrari, and she comes to us from the great state of Texas. Welcome, ma'am. Howdy. How are you? Great. How are you? I am wonderful. Uh, a young man that I have referred to as the left-hand side of my brain for too many years. His name is George Tucker from New York. Welcome, sir. Hey, good to be back and to see you all. Absolutely, sir. Uh, and uh, out of purgatory, uh, Mr. Mike Brandis from QSC by way of, he's in the Colorado office. So welcome, sir. Hi, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, so let's let's start this off actually with a, it's an interesting story and I apologize. It's slightly self-serving because it's, it's sort of kind of about a, an event I did with PSNI a couple of years ago. Move the self-serving side apart. It's really a, a good story by Craig McCormick. Asking the question, why don't more AV industry conferences incorporate virtual attendees? Here's the really quick backstory. During the PSNI Super Summit uh, that I was, I was honored to emcee, uh, I, I moderated a panel of end users. And in the discussion lead up, you, you, you kind of talk with folks about how to make it different and exciting and change it up. And, and the, the team at PSNI decided they were going to live stream. Uh, they did Facebook Live for this, but they live streamed that specific panel discussion. It got an incredible response. Uh, it got an incredible uh, viewership. There were folks that were interact interacting on Facebook. Um, lots of folks viewed it, had some good conversation uh, on, on Twitter and elsewhere afterwards. It was a good experience for me as, as both the, the person you know, <clears throat> moderating it, but also afterwards I was able to get some, some feedback from some folks. Hey, why didn't you ask this? Or next time you want, I want to ask that. And then uh, our buddy Chris Netto, uh, who moderates and, and does the AV and the AM, kind of brought this up. Uh, during during his discussion on Sundays, and I, I don't typically chime in on that um, mainly because I have a podcast every week, and if I want to say something, I'm going to. Um, but I, I, I kind of chimed in as they were talking about this, and, and I referenced something. Uh, I'm going to an event. Uh, it's a podcast convention. If you want to go, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good one. I've been to it before. It's called um, uh, the Podcast Movement. It's in uh, Orlando in in August this year. Not a commercial. It's just it's a cool event. Um, but they offer a virtual ticket. So if you don't want to go to Orlando or can't travel or what have you, you can purchase a ticket slightly discounted from the, the on-site uh, one, but you have access to every single session, either live or you can watch it afterwards. So Mr. Tucker, you have been to more of these than probably uh, anybody on this panel, including me. Simple question. Uh, is this something, you know, uh, that, that, events, whether that's, you know, uh, Infocom or ISE or Cedia or, you know, this, this time it was PSNI. 
should start incorporating uh, into into their events as you know uh, our industry evolves into this. And, and honestly, let's be honest, we we work in the AV industry. This seems like a natural fit. Well, the answer is yes and no, as I'm off to to answer your questions as, but uh, yes, because I think there's a need for this technology and the new streaming to give that sense of engagement and participation. I mean, you said it yourself that there were people who called you back and said, oh my gosh, why didn't you ask this? Well, that was a brilliant thing. I really, this excited me. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't been there, but I was participating in this part. And it makes me, quote, more excited to go and try and get there next year. Right, so there's two things you want to do there. You want to be able to get people there, right? Because this these things do make money, and they are about promoting something and making money as well as getting everyone together. But you want to also say, hey, you can't be here. We want you to participate, and that goes a long, long way. And the technology is here. Look back. What is it? Ten years ago? Fifteen years ago? CE Pro was doing the virtual trade show. Eight years ago. Eight, yeah. eight, eight, no, it was more than that. It was. It was eight or nine years ago, maybe. Okay, maybe, maybe I think it was more than that, but okay. Because I remember being back in the staging company before I joined okay. a manufacturer that we, we saw some. But, you know, it was clunky. And you would go into these graphical sort of AOL-ish looking early video game kind of houses. But you did get to communicate with people and you could get information. And I was like, what is new? Good, tell me about this part of it. Great, what about this? Hey, let's have a phone call. I couldn't go to the event, but I could do it virtually. And it actually did help get me to the point where I could say to my boss, hey, I've been talking with these people. I really want to go to Infocom and see the thing in action, right? They're not coming here. or It's going to take too long for them to bring it to the office. So let's go. And the bosses agreed. And I also don't find it has to be free. I mean, you know my feelings on the virus of free. Once you're free, it's really hard to get back. And nobody wants to pay for it. Look at all the paywalls that are going up for the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. And they're making money. They went from not making money to making money. So I don't have a problem with saying, sign up, get two seminars free. And for $29.95, we'll give you all of the participation stuff. There is something to be there. And it still doesn't abate people saying, I do still want to go there. You can't hold a class. I mean, the, the distance learning thing is great. But you really do learn more by sitting next to your associates and patriots in the industry and learning together and talking afterwards. You know, the virtual thing that my kids do on their Discord with the audio chat room, it works. But when they meet each other, it's a far more engaging process. Absolutely. Uh, Victoria, as far as, as either conferences or like George mentioned, you know, education, is this something that would be interesting in, in case, you know, there are times when you just simply can't make trade show X, Y, and Z? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, it's, um, it's a great idea. I would definitely pay for it. Uh, like he, like George mentioned though, it does, it's not the same as attending. And I don't think that it takes away from people who, you know, want to attend. It's just there as an option and it can be used as a way to say, Hey, to your bosses who are trying to justify, you know, spending money to send you there. You can say, look, I learned this, this, and this virtually. Imagine, you know, what it can do if I actually attend the event. Also, you know, the biggest thing about, for me, when attending an event is the networking opportunities. And that isn't quite as prevalent when you're attending virtually. But yeah, overall, I think it's a great idea. I would pay for it. I also don't believe it should be free. and 
I, it would be great to see more conferences doing this and maybe not giving all of the, you know, possible sessions, but maybe some main ones that people would be interested in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Brandis, we're going to talk about Tide here in a second. Uh, it's coming back to Orlando for Infocom this year, but events like that, uh, Infocom in the past has done, you know, um, Technology Tuesday, the day before the the Infocom show opens several uh, education and other um, streams happen the day before the show opens. You work for a manufacturer. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and Tucker will probably correct me if I'm wrong too because he used to work for a manufacturer and, did, and actually sort of Victoria. So all three of you have done this. You don't have a whole lot of time the day before a trade show opens. So with something like this, maybe on demand after the fact even, not not free, but you, you know, you 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 pay a a fee, or your company pays a fee, and gives you access to the content that you're missing out because you're working. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know whether you're a virtual attendee or an after the fact attendee, there there's a value in taking in the sessions, even if you can't be there. Um, I do think it's kind of funny that uh, as an industry we haven't embraced this sooner because I feel like the past ten years have been message points from manufacturers like think about how much travel costs you will save by putting in this AV system. Uh, come to our AV conference. Uh, you have to fly to Orlando to do it in the middle of June. Uh, so, so I do think that there's value in having these these sessions, and of course, there's a massive amount of overhead that comes with it. So, that might be the barrier of entry might be too large to get some of the large scale events moving. Could you imagine every single Super Tuesday class uh, that Infocom did, and having a you know an operator in the room, uh, you know the equipment to, to encapsulate that and send that off to you know a live streaming service uh, to maintain to to handle all the billing things like that. There's just a lot of overhead in making it happen. But for some of these, the the PSNI event uh, is a great example because it's uh, was an end user panel. That's something a lot of people can really benefit from, and the overhead was not that big to do a session. Um, so I think uh, this might ruffle some feathers but it's not an all-or-nothing proposition i think it, it could definitely be more of a, a pick your spot and where there's value there's value obviously nothing replaces being in the room nothing replaces networking um and every attendee every virtual attendee manages themselves i took an online cultural anthropology class and i didn't really study that hard because i didn't have to go to class uh so you know it's it's not for everyone but i, I do think that there's a lot of uh validity in doing it uh, and, and kind of drinking our own Kool-Aid that we can deliver uh, a remote experience using our technology um, that's just as good as being in the room. I think that right there is the, the main point of, of why, and I agree with you, I, I still don't know, I, I don't know at this point why we're not doing it, right? Because everybody that's going to be on the show floor at, at Infocom has some hand in, in some way, shape, or form making our customers' lives easier by giving them remote access to their customers and, and to their employees, we, we should probably, you know, do the same thing for, for, our, uh, for our employees and, and other, our fellow uh, AV tweeps. So. Not, not, not to rejoin that, but I'll tell you why they don't do it. The quote Mel Brooks, it's the search for more money. <laughs> yeah, that's, there is something that <laughs> all three of you had said, have said this should not be free. <clears throat> right. Yeah. There is, there is something, there, there, is, there is an absolute benefit of being in the same room with somebody and learning from each other and networking. Absolutely. There is absolutely <clears throat> a benefit there, and I will not say there's not. But there's also a benefit if you cannot, for whatever reason, 
make it. And all four of us have worked for organizations because of budget cuts or what have you, where we have missed uh, an Infocom or a CD or what have you, where we're messing out then on the education, it would you know, behoove whoever the organization is putting on the trade show or the, the, the industry meeting to say, okay, you know what, for a remote, here's the price. It may not be the full price, right? Because, you know, we don't have to you know, pay for the room or what have you, or pay for the extra seats in the room, but there's still a value here that you're getting. And so for that value, we're going to exchange, you know, we're going to exchange some money. I, th- I think there's some something to be said for that. Uh, all right. Speaking of, of Infocom and the, uh, the show that's happening, there is going to be another uh, tide event. Uh, Srinivas Rao, the best-selling author and host of the podcast, The Unmistakable Creative, is headlining this year's Affix the Tide uh, conference. This will be uh, the fourth time, the third time that uh, Infocom has done it, uh, the fourth event uh, they did uh, in ISC uh, 2017 as well. Victoria, Avixa and Infocom have, have kind of marketed this as not just for in, um, integrators, but also for uh, creatives and for folks that they're trying to get, you know, broaden the tent, uh, to use a political term, and to get more folks into the industry and get them excited about the industry. Also for end users to get them, their brains thinking about ways that, that audiovisual can make their experiences better. From a bottom line standpoint, though, what really does Tide bring to the integrator, to the folks, uh, to the, the dealers that are going to be coming to the show and, and possibly bringing their clients? Well, I think anytime an integrator can be at the same place with a bunch of end users at the same time, that's, that's valuable. It's up to them to engage them and have conversations and then get their contact info and follow up with them. That's really the value I see. Um, I, I thought I had read some statistics that the Tide Conference did bring in uh, more end users to the show. I know um, there were more end users than ever last year, um, just at Infocom. And so I think there's some value there having, and you can also invite your clients. You know, it's more than just, oh, come to this trade show with me and I'm going to drag you around to every booth and then we're going to go out and party in Vegas. But now here's something more valuable and you can bring a more, more uh, diverse type of client. Now, you know, I can get more people in another department or something because now companies, it's not just CIOs and IT managers and IT directors that are making decisions. Different departments are getting budgets. And so it's definitely could allow an, an integrator to get more, um, in depth with their with their clients and give them something to invite them to it's just build your relationship with them better so that's where i see the value but i'm not very familiar with the tide conference i haven't i didn't follow up really on it i didn't look at the content that they were presenting there i just heard it was really good it's quite good it's very creative uh driven um i've been to i think every single one if i'm not mistaken um and each one has a different uh, feel kind of a different theme, but every single one, I think without exception, has been talking about the experience, um, the experience, whether that's, it was an architect on stage, it was a content creator on stage. Uh, one, I, I want to say it was uh, Orlando the first time, then a neuroscientist, uh, which a neuroscientist and, and the AV conference sounds interesting, except for the fact that this guy's talking about how we actually interact uh, with our environment and how to enhance that. 
right? So there are different avenues here to kind of get you to getting that experience. Uh, it was very interesting. Uh, Mr. Brandis, just like a lot of manufacturers, you guys are, are um, not only connecting with your customers, but also, you know, trying to reach out to your customers' customers and, and drive, you know, sales that way. Does Tide help you guys in any way um, get to, you know, tech managers and IT directors to say, look, you know, here's an AB conference, but also here's, here's another kind of uh, session and, and a day worth of, of education and information on just, you know, the experience itself? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, Corey Schaefer, who works for QSC, and I think everybody in the world knows, um, attends Tide every year. Uh, It's a great chance to connect with not only our customers, but our customers' customers, as you mentioned, and kind of the ones that are a little bit more, um, you know, forward-thinking. Our industries, um, our our project portfolio as an industry is quite diverse. Um, And we have people who harp on uh, experiential design and delivering experiences as being dumb because they built conference rooms and the experiences at works and that's fine and that's good and that should be the experience for that. But we also have people in our industry that do incredibly weird, wild, goofy, immersive things. Um, we, I First of all, probably would not attend a day-long session about conference rooms, uh, but I, I would definitely find a lot of value. Uh, and, and, and these people do an attending Tide and thinking, you know, outside of the AV system per se and put yourself in, in, in your customer's feet. I mean, we, uh, as an industry, tend to think about um, the, our only portion that we care about is uh, once the device plugs into our system <clears throat> and that it shows up on the screen and we never really think, okay, well, what all goes into getting that um, that content into our system, you know, when you, when you can kind of uh, work hand in hand with some of the, the creative folks, the people that are going to generate the content that you're just going to pipe through and create an infrastructure for, uh, there's a ton of value there. So whether it's about meeting your customers or about uh, broadening uh, your understanding of project portfolios, I think there's a ton of value in it. I mean, if all I did was talk to customers who built meeting rooms, um, one, I'd probably be really, really bored every day. And two, I'd probably have a very limited idea of, of problems to solve for, you know, the, the, you know, three or four dozen, you know, integrators out there that do these ginormous, you know, immersive projects and things like that. All right, Mr. Tucker, you have had your hands in more than one uh, conference and event. So uh, from a kind of an organizer and a planner standpoint, a producer standpoint, what can uh, or what should Avixa do and Infocom do to even enhance this even more when it comes to making sure that not only are we speaking to you know the, the customers and the end users, but also to the integrators that are going to come to help them realize and, and kind of ex- expand their experience and their knowledge on creating this, this experience that Avixa has been talking about for three or four years? You know, I, I've often seen Tide as sort of the inspirational quote version of the trade show. Uh, which is not to be disingenuous, because in many ways, I'd like to see it go beyond that platform that I've at least experienced to more, like almost a TED Talk. I'd like to see that thought-provoking step beyond. What we've seen speakers on, the one they're saying is going to be the main speaker, uh, the gentleman, uh, I've, I've actually listened to his podcast. He's a great thought-provoking guy, but I don't feel like when I'm in those Tide conferences, personally at least, that my I'm really going, oh, wow, that opens up a whole new doorway. And I think that that's something that needs to really be considered in that, not just getting together, 
the the end users and the installers and the guys who say, hey, the future is video conferencing from your watch on your hand, but really dig deeper into about how communication happens and dig deeper into practical, maybe even case study type talks about how this worked. And that really would draw me in a little bit more. I think that that's the, the, the mixture that's missing. Now, I missed the last year uh, of the show. So maybe this year I'll find something that does exactly that. And maybe this speed, this talk will do that. But the last couple of years when I went, you know, I was like, this is interesting, but it didn't leave me wanting more. So I'd love to see more of that, that sort of Ted inspirational reference going on. And I, I, think, um, I, oh. I was just going to talk about Infocom center stage last year. I think they really did a good job of, of doing that. It was more, what you were saying, George, like a TED Talk type, you know, very future, um, you know, forward-facing and thought-provoking speakers and information that definitely left me, you know, wanting more and and looking into those speakers that were there. It was they did a really good job with the center stage. Mr. Brandis. Oh, that was exactly what I was going to say. Is that the center stage brings a lot of really captivating. Uh, I, I would say they're they're more along the lines of talks and less along the lines of, of presentations. And some of them have nothing to do with <laughs> AV and some of them have everything to do with AV. Um, and it's kind of nice uh, to have that uh, kind of renewed um, importance placed upon the big ideas and the themes that drive the technology and the widgets that you see kind of emanating from the center of the design. Uh, Last story here comes to us from our friends over at uh, AV Magazine. Nanolumens has introduced uh, what I think is is a new category in the as-a-service. It it may not be, and I apologize if somebody else has come up with this, but they're introducing visualization as a service. Um, V-A-A-S is what they're calling it. Uh, They claim that their new service will cut total cost of ownership, eliminate obsolescence, and make its LED solutions more accessible and affordable to customers daunted by complexity and and let's be honest, also daunted by the price tag of not their stuff specifically, but LED installs in general. Uh, Mike, from a manufacturer standpoint, there's been a lot of talk of as a service. Uh, Actually, a reference back to our first story, uh, one of the topics that got some of the most uh, feedback from the PSNI end user summit was AV as a service and and some of the uh, participants' feelings on those. Are, does this make sense from a, from a manufacturer standpoint of driving as a service from the manufacturer through the integrator and then to the end customer, or is this something more that the integrator should take to take, should take ownership of? Well, I think it's got to be a joint venture. I don't think anything is going to be successful if you're an system integrator and doing something a manufacturer is not on board with, and conversely, a manufacturer pushing something a system integrator is not on board with. But I do want to point out the copier behind me that you may or may not be able to see, we don't own that. We don't own the ink that goes into that. All that stuff's a service that we buy monthly. Um, Our company does Uber when we travel. We don't own those cars. We don't rent cars. We get around that way. So I think the more and more we can get into things as a service, which is a broad definition, a very, very broad definition, um, which I think creates a lot of the the consternation and and the pain when people have very, very firm opinions about not wanting to do things as a service. Um, But I mean, things that are being delivered now as a service are things that we used to pay incredibly high price tags for 
um, we're sitting on a Zoom call. Uh, we're not uh, buying a codex and an MCU bridge and things like that or renting them. Um, so there's a lot of benefits uh, to, to delivering things as a service. And I'm going to, as a service, I forgot I'm on video. I can actually do air quotes. Um, and, and, and I think what it comes down to is doing it the right way. Uh, I think there are people that want to jump at the bit and do it just to do it. And I think that there are people that don't ever want to do it. And I think that the, the logical middle ground is to wait and find out the right way to impact the correct number uh, uh, and the correct, you know, solve the, the right problems. Um, is AV as a service for a line array that'll last 10 years uh, and doesn't cost that much to begin with the right way to do it? Is it swapping out displays that die after two and a half years in meeting rooms? I mean, there's a lot of problems in our industry uh, that you mentioned that you had on, you know, obsolescence, uh, price tag, uh, you know, initial capital outlay. Um, there's a lot of problems to be solved. I, I think that uh, the worst thing we can do right now is solve them incorrectly. That could really stunt the potential adoption down the road. So I know there's a ton of integrators who want to deliver and, are, and already do deliver um, rooms, a fleet of AV equipment, et cetera, on a uh, reoccurring revenue basis that allows customers to transition from CapEx to OpEx, which is a huge benefit. Um, and, and then with that, you get not only service, but upgrades as well. And I think that's really a good start starting point to do that. I think obviously um, the more and more uh, close that uh, manufacturers can be to integrators in the process, the better as, you know, eventually, um, you know, it becomes more and more widely used in the industry. But I don't think we'll ever be an industry of Konica, Minolta, you know, Minolta printers where we don't have any direct sales uh, and it's all leased. Um, so I, I think there's definitely a balance to be struck. But I think if we don't get going on solving the problems, however we choose to solve them and whatever we call them, uh, we're going to be a lot less relevant to people that are the budget holders in a few years. I mean, an entire network infrastructure can be rented monthly from, uh, you know, a company like Cisco. Why can't a projector? Uh, Mr. Tucker, a uh, couple, I guess about a year ago, I was introduced to the Ricoh model of AV as a service. Mm -hmm. um, Ricoh is a manufacturer. They're going, they're doing the, the, the copier model where they're going to uh, directly to consumers and they're, they're partnering with integrators, but they are, that's, that's their model. What is the danger here if, uh, for integrators if of leading with this or maybe putting all their eggs in one basket, all their eggs in the AV as a service? Like as Mike said, there will be some customers who simply want to own it um, and, and they don't want the as a service model. So what's the balance there of you know making sure that you have it if they want to move to OpEx, but making sure that you also can do a sale uh, if they want to do CapEx? Well, I mean, you can't, as he's, Mike said, it's, it's not all your eggs in one basket. I think more and more companies are going to go to this. I mean, look, first of all, we have the IT departments taking over most of corporate. And in some ways, some of the residential stuff is IT centric, right? They all say, if you don't have the backbone of IT, you got nothing because it's just going to fail right there. <clears throat> I, there's more profit, I think, in this as a leasing system <laughs> than... Buying. Now, again, the CapEx versus OpEx is where the problem happens. What can I take off my taxes? Where can I you know, take off my returns? Where can I do this so that it works out that I'm making money back on this expenditure that I'm putting out? <clears throat> the, the advantage, of course, with this as a service or leasing, I love this article. It, did, it, did, it was the most dramatic 
reading I've ever done of someone describing a leasing program that I've ever read. It was brilliant. <clears throat> it was brilliant. I loved it. As I, it was just it was stunning guy, great work. But <laughs> you know, as a as a homeowner or as somebody in a company, why would I want to wait and say that I have this this 4K monitor and surround sound system that in five, 10 years, I want it to be upgraded. If I'm paying X amount a month and you come every time I say there's a problem and you fix it and I didn't spend it out and you're going to change it out on me, I know I'm going to spend a little bit more in the end, but it also means that I don't have to bother with it. And it also means that companies don't have to bother further with an in-house AV person. It's a one-time come in, install, it checks out. If it fails, we'll be back. <clears throat> Other than that, the IT department says, good, we've got communication, it works. And we can replace it when the, when the CE, COO or CEO says, why is it only 4K? I saw an 8K at my mansion and someone's, you know, it's so much easier. Yeah, that, and we get into, the, it's a similar social debate, I think, really. It's what it comes down to. Do I want to own my music or do I want to stream it? In many ways, I still own it online. There's a potential someone could really foobar me. But in the end, I have it on where I want it. And I don't have to bother with getting a physical media or having a player in the house. I just do it on a system that I know can reproduce it the way I want it. So yeah, I, I don't think there's, there's really just offering the services and that's, look, what are we? We're a service economy. Yeah. That's, I agree that's with um, George, what you were saying that this article is, you know, it's so exciting. It's releasing <laughs> um, because what I was thinking was, yes, this is a great way for nanolumens to get more of their technology out in the marketplace because it is a huge capital expenditure for a large LED uh, direct view LED display. But what about when you know, some pixels go out. Are they monitoring that on the network? I mean, what's the SLA? You still have to, you know, take that panel out and somebody has to, the customer has to physically call the integrator or call NanoLumens and say, hey, I got LEDs out. I need you to come out and replace it. And so it's not a true AV as a service as IT companies are doing it or like your cable provider, for example. Um, or the the printer example that Mike gave, in order to really be successful and truly do AV as a service, it's more than just a lease. And and that more than part is the most important part. And it requires integrators to have, you know, SLAs in place, to have a knock, to have data centers, to truly be monitoring and managing this environment and looking at, you know, how can they fix an issue when something comes up and trying to do that remotely as many times as they can to avoid truck rolls. And the technology is out there to do that. Companies like um, Utelogy, for example, where everything is IoT, everything's on the network. And that part of it, that's, so we can get past the part of CapEx versus OpEx. We can offer OpEx solutions to our client. Um, pretty much any integrator can do that and get backing from a bank. But the hard part is the true as a service piece where it's, it's defined for the client. They don't have to think about it. They get the upgrades and, you know, in, in three to five years, they get all new equipment without, you know, it's just, they go into a room and it works. And if there is an issue, we're alerted. We know before they do, that's, that's the difference in a true as a service model, I think. All right, very good. That'll be a good place to stop. Thank you all so much. Ms. Victoria Ferrari, thank you. 
You're welcome. Thanks. You can check out my company at NetrixLLC.com and you can find me on Twitter, Victoria0429. All right. Very good. Mr. Brandis, it was good to have you back, sir. Good to see your face. So uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's nice to return from AV Nation Exile. Uh, Purgatory, not exile. Tomato, potato. Uh, you can find my company, qsc.com slash systems, and find me on Twitter, Mike Brandis AV. All right, very good. But he might hit you. It's 100% chance I will. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Mr. Tucker, thank you, sir, as always. No, great to be on. Great to be back. Uh, if you want to hear more of my ramblings, I'm at Tucker2s on Twitter. Uh, and I will be teaching a class at Infocom on uh, system services captioning for the hearing and visually impaired. Uh, so if you're into theaters or wanting to set that kind of stuff up from the legal than the technical, I'm going to be giving that class. Yeah, and if you're in a, you have, if you have a theater in, in your town, you might see Mr. Tucker running around, so. Yes. <laughs> Once a week, I'm in a different state, so. Yeah, he, actually, he actually ended up in St. Louis a couple months ago. It was fantastic. I did, and a fabulous dinner you treated me to. It's fabulous. Fab- yeah, uh, St. Louis has a little section of Italian joints, and it took him to one of my favorites. That so was pretty cool. Uh, for me, for uh, Tim Albright, don't go, uh, don't follow me on Twitter uh, at this point. I'm uh, cheering on the Blues and hoping the the the, uh, the Bears don't screw up their uh, their uh, season next year. Uh, but go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. While you're there, check out uh, our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you. AV Week and our other shows like Resi Week, which is our other weekly uh, program hosted by Matt Scott, looking at the residential side of AV. Uh, also, a uh, brand new show uh, coming down the pipeline, another episode of the Digital Science Digest uh, hosted by Lenore. Comes your way in about uh, two more weeks. Uh, she'll be previewing DSC 2019. We'll be at DSC 2019 bringing you uh, all the uh, latest and greatest from digital signage. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.